Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. It is interesting. I don't know know that it always works, but Steve Jobs, you know, part of his uh, talk he gave at commencement at one of the colleges there towards the end of his life, he said he looked back on his life and he saw how all of the dots connected. And I think a lot of us uh, can look back and see how the random things that seem to happen to us or where we wound up uh, spending a lot of time that kind of came back to our advantage, you know, the contacts or the information or the instincts we developed, you know, and for example, I've got a friend who's a, uh, uh, in Aspen, who's one of the big ranchers out there in Snowmass, And he comes from a, a local family and, um, you know, he's always been in farming, you know, raising, you know, growing crops, right. Growing cattle, pretty much the cattle business. And, uh, Lo and behold, we just found out last week his little secret project he'd been working on. He's started his own wine. I think it's called Open Range, but he's Mm -hmm. he's been growing it for the last two or three years, about a hundred miles in some flat country down down valley from Aspen. And he's actually won awards. You know, his first two or three vintages, he uh, won awards, and so he the cat is out of the bag. But in the article. Is the first time I'd ever heard this in the article with the paper came out that he actually had some chemistry courses in college. No. <laughs> there we go. That's it. That's yeah. it. I'm going to create a wine. <laughs> um, going back to what you're saying, though, and I, I totally agree, like success in the future is going to come from joining dots in the past. Right. And so then the question is, how do you increase the likelihood of success happening in the future? Then uh, so the, the advice there is just do stuff, right? It doesn't matter if you right. succeed or fail. Now, and that's great advice for me, and here's a warning for the audience if you do that too much, is if you just keep doing and doing and doing and, and are less strategic about what you're actually doing, then the journey can take longer. I think my, my problem with not doing stuff, my problem with just doing too much, not focused stuff, I think because for, for this journey to success, let's say, took 10 years, I think if I just get the same amount of doing, but maybe I spend a bit more time deciding what to do, then that journey may have could have taken less long than 10 years so that's my like warning for the audience about the whole just take action uh, advice now say that again so if we are trying to like if the statement that success in the future is going to be predicated on you connecting these dots or the things you've learned in the past then the advice that stems from that is that you just have to do more do more stuff right because then you're going to learn more and you're going to get to success faster right and i think with maybe more than half of the population, their problem is not doing stuff enough. They think about it too much. Now, wow. that wasn't my problem. I was just doing too much stuff, random stuff that had like no connection and maybe wasn't strategic enough. And so if maybe I did a little bit less, but I was more strategic about things I'd have done, I it might not have taken 10 years to, to make it work or to reach success, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we used to describe that as like... Uh, uh, you know, try to get to where it's ready, aim, fire, rather than ready, fire, aim, you know? Mm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But the, the, there is a balance, and it's how well you, you know, you 
you got to be aware of both sides. You know, you could screw up on overdoing or underdoing in every situation. And that's the where experience and uh, this backlog of experience plays. Because when you're a, is it safe to say in a leadership position, you've got to make a lot of rapid fire decisions and, uh, uh, the higher, the more successful your company goes, like from where you had a half a dozen uh, podcasts that you managed to where you're up to 70 or more now, that you're having to make a lot, lot quicker decisions. Yeah, exactly right. I'm trying to now like push that down the chain so more people in the team make the decisions. But yeah, for sure. And when that, and, and, and the thing is that you, uh, you get to where, uh, you don't have time to debate things. So you, you can get accused of being the uh, ready, fire, aim type person. But that's that could be coming from someone who's an employee and doesn't understand the time pressures you're in. Like, you know, decisions have to be made within certain time frames. And you can always go back and correct it. And certain times you can, just can't think about it anymore. You just got to call one shot or another. And usually if you call the wrong shot, it uh, it shows up in results pretty quick. And if you're watching things, you can shift like, okay, not that we're going to go over here. And you see even people like Elon Musk make those shifts. Mm. Uh, and cause he, you know, they're operating right out in the, the open, you know, where everybody's watching and they're transparent. And so uh, uh, there is a thing that when you're proactive, I wrote this down when you're proactive rather than reactive, you know, you're you're active rather than passive. You know you're you're on the attack. You got your foot pedal on the accelerator, and you're moving. Uh, you uh, immediately shift the odds of success in your favor because you don't sit back and just wait for things to come to you. Know so you're you're out looking. You know you're paying attention. You're listening. You know you're you're trying things. You're not just like debating endlessly. You know you're trying things and then finding out. Uh, uh, but when you are hesitant and defensive, whatever you create space and opportunities for failure, <laughs> that hmm. wouldn't even happen if you just kept moving. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I think the key here is like, get, just get in the game. Yeah. Like choose one thing that you're either driven enough by that you want to make succeed or you're passionate enough about and just spend three years making whatever that is, whether it's the male leggings or whether it's the B2B podcast service, as best as it can possibly be, that is like the way ultimately you'll win. Yeah. And, you know, let's talk about the time frame, giving yourself a time frame for your new ventures to work through. You mentioned three years. When uh, I started the podcast, I did get advice from uh, one of our marketing guys. It's like, you know, he said, we see it all the time that people will start an idea and then they give up before it has a chance to kick in. He said, he said, if I were you, I'd keep my head down and do the best you can, continue to improve and things like that, but not really worry too much about your outreach and your listeners and everything for three years, because probably, you know, what, you know, you're getting a thousand a month now, then, you know, in a year, it might be 10,000. A month, but you know, in the third year, it could be a hundred thousand a month, you know. And now, with uh, you guys, uh, we didn't know we were going to be able to run into you, but uh, now we're 
consistently over 150,000 uh, downloads a month. But, you know, we're well down the road on this thing, but you can, you can look over your shoulder too much. Do you find that people uh, that, why did you mention the three-year thing? Yeah, I think, I think the three-year thing stems from the fact that, again, one of the things I said at the start, which I think is the most important thing anyone listening should take away, is that if you want to be successful in business, and success in quotes, because different people have different definitions, right. if you just have to make something that's better than your competitors, that's, that's subjectively more valuable than what your competitors have. And for the three-year figure, it comes from the fact that I think if you have one person is working on developing or one person of like has like average intelligence and knows a little bit about the thing that they're going into. I think three years is a good time period for them to be able to make something, produce something that is better than, than competitors. Obviously different fields. Like if you go into a spacecraft, it might take longer. You might need more money or more people, but right. like the, the average business, I think three years of focus on improving one thing is enough to make it better or at least the same as the, the leading competitors. For those of you who are sick and tired of fooling around and are dead serious about wanting to move up fast, I've got something especially for you. I've combined the best insights from over 40 years in business and making $70 million in income and compressed them into a free webinar. That's right, it's a free resource. If you want to find out exactly what the concepts are that I use in coaching million dollar earners, register now at widelonwinning.com. You'll discover the five-part framework used by so many to reach their financial, personal, and professional goals. You can find that link in this episode's show notes. Yeah, and, and you know, the way to do that is to look at the best. Look at the best. And the great thing is that you should... Uh, be be able to be better because you have them to show you uh, what the best is already as a starting point. And the thing to uh, keep in your mind is that everything can be better. Every aspect of the whole the whole enterprise can be improved. And so, if you take the time to study it, these uh, you know those improvements will come to you. But it's not going to come to you with a casual glance. How did you go about looking and evaluating the the podcast? Because what I, you know, when I have a worry, Tom, about uh, you know, I uh, really want a wide variety of guests on here, and I have a worry about there's so much technology and internet and online marketing and everything gets stuck with you know one online marketer or one online business coach after another coming in, you know, the same old you know, same old thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, I, I'm really uh, intent on making sure, and I think we are here, uh, that people see transferable lessons uh, of success in this field to where that would apply to pretty much any business. And, uh, uh, you know, can they, so they can relate to it rather than say, oh, that's just tech stuff. I can't. I can't follow it, mm. but uh, what uh, when when you took got going on the podcast business? Uh, how did you look at that thing and and dig into 
finding ways where it could be better. Yeah. So first off, I think I was a little bit fortunate in that I spent four years in management consulting. And what you do basically in management consulting is you learn how to project manage, write good emails, run meetings. And so we were coming into this podcast business with, with this kind of stuff, like the management of the writing organization, like top standard because of my previous experience. And so first off, we're able to, I believe, be a bit more organized and like write better emails than, than competitors. So I guess the first answer is previous experience. Second, and I think maybe a little bit fortunate here, about a year and a half into running Fame, one of the competitors reached out because he 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 was a bit smaller than us, but he wanted to go off and do something else. So he wanted to basically hand his clients over to us. Obviously, we would pay for them. So we paid for them. He handed the clients over. And what that essentially did is it gave us the IP that he had built, e.g. the process for, for running this podcast, and it turned out to be better than ours. And so I took that and we implemented it for all of our clients. So I guess the answer, the second point is you can acquire it if you're lucky enough to to acquire your competitors. And then I think the third comes from a slightly different angle on the industry. Bit of background, most podcast agencies are like an audio nerd who started the business because they love audio. Right. And they're applying that as a marketing tool for businesses. Whereas we're the other around, my back or our background is online marketing. And so we're just using podcasting as a tool for, for online marketing. And so we were coming at the industry from a slightly different gaze, e.g. We're, we're marketers first not podcasters first, and most of our competitors are the other way around. And so that means we can be a bit more strategic and be a bit more, I guess, not aggressive, but advanced in our promotion strategies. So those are three things that I think have helped us get an edge over competitors. And how have you, uh, you got, you seem to have a real uh, understanding of how to make the SEO work. And people who don't, are not paying attention to SEO in their business, they need they need to. And so, uh, because people would be looking for your, your kind of service, and it's, you know, it's just how they find uh, restaurants and how they find everything. You know, it's, uh, they look online and local and national, depending on what it is, and so the you you want to be able to come up in those searches, uh, and so talk about SEO and because you've been able to drive us up to where we you know I'm going to jinx uh, no I'm not going to jinx it but anyway they uh, where we've just skyrocketed up in the search engines for Mastermind and Millionaire and things like that the podcast has. But that's, uh, you know, I I give you guys the credit for that. So mm-hmm. all, all I do is get on and talk. <laughs> you are, yeah, you're, you're a talent, Larry. So <laughs> nothing would happen without talent. Um, so on the FAA point, I think the, the meta point here is that the only reason we're good at it is because I spend the 10 years trying to get good at it by just paying for loads of courses and like trying, testing loads of stuff. So if anybody's here, it's like, how do I get good at any of this? Is you just try loads of stuff. The basic concept is that let me just say that you try loads of stuff and then what you evaluate it on because it's not just trying loads of stuff it's like you know there's 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 a rhyme and a reason to trying loads of stuff yeah so yeah so, so you try something and then you look at the results and then you try something again ideally with what you've learned from that first one and then you just keep doing that 
And that's easier. It's easier to evaluate. Sorry for interrupting, but it's, isn't it easier to evaluate if you have specific target goals that you want that letter, that campaign to do? And you can, you know, you, you know, when you send it out, you're going to measure the results based off these things rather than all oh, people are excited, you know? Uh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we have, so you, you have the hypothesis, then you take the action. And then you measure the result based on what you think is going to happen. Yeah. And and if if the hypothesis is correct, then maybe you try again with the same hypothesis, but then change something else. And what would a hypothesis be in a marketing campaign for an online product, would you say? Yeah, so literally from today. So Abney, this product that will convert podcast audio into written assets, we're yeah. currently running Google Ads. And... One of the keywords we're bidding on is just the word podcast transcript. Now, a lot of traffic for that, that keyword. And actually, our product isn't like best positioned, I don't think, for to get customers from that from that keyword, from someone typing that in. And then I, I think there are probably a lot of other companies that will be better to convert people from that keyword. But we've tested it. We spent 200 pounds now on bidding on that term. And now we've seen that we've only got one or two customers from it. And so actually... Our theory was that we can bid on this term and it's going to be profitable for us, but actually it turns out that that theory is wrong. So we'll probably stop bidding on that keyword and then look at other keywords to invest more into. I see. Yeah. And, and so that, now... That's where it go, keep going. And so now for, for, from that mini experiment, I've learned A, a bit more about the buy, potential buyers for our product, but B, a little bit more about Google Ads. Ah. Ah. And, and so, so... Keep to, going. To, to zoom out then over the past 10 years, if I've probably done hundreds, if not thousands of those experiments, and that's the only right. re- reason why I've reached some kind of success now is because I've learned from thousands of those things. Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, that's, that's organic knowledge. It's like <laughs> down the road, you're going to be speaking at these internet conferences and people are going to say, what a genius. and uh, uh, you know, like like all of the geniuses on stage, you'll say, yeah, if I was a genius, I wish I'd told myself that 10 years ago, I could have saved myself a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> you become a genius for millions of, not thousands, but millions of mistakes and, uh, and corrections and adjustments. So uh, as you look at uh, the companies you have and the businesses you have, what are you bringing to the table right now that is the difference maker in your businesses? So for fame, definitely. I think there's this concept, and I'd be good to get your feedback on this, um, that I've taken from the restaurant business called Hospitality. So I'm sure you're aware of Shake Shack, the the burger restaurant. Mm -hmm. So the company that owns actually it's spun out separately, but the company that built Shake Shack is called Union Square Hospitality, and it was founded by a guy called Danny Meyer. Danny Meyer. And Danny Meyer has written a book called Setting the Table. And he has this concept called Enlightened Hospitality, where really what he's saying is that our business, like we're in the hospitality business, not the food or the service business. We're in the business of making people feel a certain way. And so if you take his restaurants, he has the the people in the kitchen creating stuff, and then he has people in front of house that delivering that stuff, e.g. that's a service. But the way you make the people feel is you're delivering that service, he calls hospitality. And Mm -hmm. so one thing that I think that we are 
doing starting to do better at is we have this kitchen which is we're finding the guests we're producing the video or the audio or the written assets but then and so we delivered that to you ideally on time we do that service but then we have people in the team the account managers and account directors who then are ideally delivering that to you and uh, in a way that's productive and maybe doing some little extra things for you but in time for the meeting to ensure that you're happy during the meeting. And so I think if that focus on the client and this concept of hospitality that I think is starting to set us apart from competitors. Ah, interesting, interesting thought. Yeah. Well, because the main thing is, you know, we've done battle quite a bit because I'm very hard to please in terms of guests. Uh, and but your staff is just hung in there and uh, adjusted, taking it, and uh, nobody seems to get their feelings hurt or uh, you know the the atmosphere level stays the same, and that's mm-hmm. what you're telling me. That's my design. You know, that's not uh, yeah. Uh, like we yeah. we want to stay focused on ensuring that you're as happy as possible. And if that means taking the, the feedback and coming back continuously, then we're going to, uh, we're going to do that. Yeah. And so when uh, you look forward, what do you get most excited about doing? What, what would cause this year to be just mind blowingly fun for you and rewarding? Yeah. So I love like finding out new things and then implementing them. So whether it's like a new promotion strategy for fame, that's what I absolutely love. So I might test something on my podcast and then I'll see it works and I'll write up a working procedure and share that with the team. I get really excited about that. And and so so equally, I might be using Abney for one of our client podcasts and then I'll be like, actually, if we change that thing in the product, it's going to get better results for the, the other 69 clients. Then that is the thing that makes me really excited as well. So I think it's probably like incremental new improvements of things that I love and whether that's making an update to the fame service process or to one of the products those are things I really love doing thanks for listening to the million dollar mastermind if you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode please take a minute and leave us a five star review your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience remember We have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whiteallonwinning.com. Thanks for listening.